Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunded campaign success and better physical product businesses. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and each week I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert designed to help you take your startup to the next level. If you're interested in learning what we're all about and kickstarting your own crowdfunding campaign, check out artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. You'll get our entire guide to crush your campaign and take your business to new heights. But now, let's get on with the show. Today's absolutely epic inventor interview is brought to you guys by eFulfillmentService.com. We'll talk about them. They can help you. Guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart. Today, we've got Ryan Lee, an internet marketer, fitness freak, and business guy on the line to share a pretty cool life story and hopefully help you guys take your business somewhere special. Thanks for coming today, Ryan. Matt, thanks for having me. And I am ready to just kick some butt with you. Oh, I yeah. like it. I like the energy because it's 10 p.m. <laughs> already here and I'm feeling it. I got a mastermind call after this. So I got to get pumped up. And I think <laughs> well, then we, it- and we need to get you some systems. Oh, some systems. Absolutely. We'll get to that. But before we do, we like quotes, life quote, success quote, or just a terrible misused quote. Give us something cool to start this off. Um, man, you know, so many people do success quotes and I, I'll give you a little different of a quote. Kind of my marketing philosophy is, and it has to do with, with the way you, especially the way you write emails and communicate with your list. It's don't, don't write like a copywriter, but communicate like a friend. And I think that's kind of a big overall philosophy of how I build my business and treat my customers and my clients. Cause I think so many people, Matt, are focused so hard on making that sale and being aggressive and hype, hype, hype and heavy headlines and all this kind of stuff, but they don't do a great job of maintaining that relationship. Um, and they just have to kind of fill the buckets. So, you know, that's, that's my little quote for the day. I think that's good for people to hear. It's not, it's not all a pitch hype fest, but at the same time, I think that's the opposite of what crowdfunders need to hear. To be honest, most of these guys have no experience. That's part of the reason we're getting. But you, you know on what? Here. It's it's really not though. It, it's not though because I think what happens is, I think that that people read stuff about um, copy, and they write in a voice that's not genuine, that's not authentic. And and I'm not saying there shouldn't be, you shouldn't have benefit oriented talk. And 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 I think it can work. And I think it works even better because I I did my own crowdfunding promotion, and it wasn't typical, you know internet marketing copy. I think if people could tell their message in an open and honest way, but still use some of those, you know, those kind of psychological, I mean, people call them psychological triggers or, or different cues, but, uh, you know, meaning I don't think every crowdfunding program should start with who else wants to, you know, blah, 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 fill in the blank. Um, the ultimate but, secret that every mother, yada, yada, yeah. Right, right. And, and I think when you do that, I think you're doing people a disservice. Uh, so, yeah, we can we can go off on different tangents, but I think overall that I think their marketing is going to be better when they tap into that true source. When they really think about, okay, you know, it's really marketing one on one. And I always tell all my clients this is the first thing you have to do is figure out who exactly you're speaking to. And if you're doing a crowdfunding promotion and program, you know, you have to think of who's the end user. You know, it's not just about you; it's going to be about them and what's in it for them. And if you if you write your copy and your promotions. Coming from that perspective, as opposed to, you know, I created this really cool, you know, 
pen that writes upside down. You can write in space and it helps you get six pack abs and all this crazy stuff, right? Absolutely. Um, passion, passion you, outsells the perspective. The yeah. Right, right. So if you take it from the perspective, okay, who's the person reading this and, or watching the video and, and why should they be interested and why should they buy this and why should they invest in this and what are they going to get? And just tell, just tell stories. I mean, that really comes down to it is it's telling really good, authentic stories. And, uh, you know, if you look at some of the best crowdfunding promotions that have been done, they're not like hypey. They don't feel like it's being sold in an internet marketing biz up, get rich quick. A lot of it is stories. It's got some good graphics. It's, it's kind of all ties together. So and I know we're, we're going in a different direction that we wanted to. But I, oh, I it doesn't matter what direction we go as long as we make this <laughs> engaging and it's useful for people. And I think that right. is huge. Telling the story, that's, that's part of the, that's why crowdfunding is successful, to be honest. People don't want to necessarily just go buy Walmart shit or have a massive corporation selling them something. It's a lot more personal with crowdfunding. And I did yeah. not, I didn't know you actually had your own crowdfunding campaign. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. This was about a year and a half ago and it's for, it's kind of all coming full circle now. It's a part of my company that we're going to do basically teaching entrepreneurship and bringing it to the schools. So allowing, especially, uh, I used to work uh, for my first six years of my career. I worked in a children's rehab hospital, and then I worked in a high school, an alternative high school in the South Bronx, an area called Hunts Point. So it was the roughest of the rough kids who couldn't hack it in the regular schools and it had gangs and all this stuff. So I'm looking to bring this, this idea of entrepreneurship to the inner cities and to show people, you know, instead of just giving handouts and say, hey, here's 50 bucks, you know, let's show them that there's other options. You know, your only option in life is not just working in a fast food restaurant. Like there are more options and you can start businesses. And now with, with technology, there's so much opportunity. So the idea was raising money to start that initiative. And we, we, we had a really good fund. We, I got some money set aside now for it. And now with this new brand we're building, we're going to start this extra, this kind of secondary offshoot foundation. So that was it. Yeah, lottery winners are broke few years after because they don't know what to do. I think that's kind of cool. I had no idea you were doing that. And yeah. that just makes it even more exciting. <laughs> I'm an exciting guy, Matt. Exciting. I like it. <laughs> so the reason we initially got you on the podcast, you <laughs> built a pretty kick-ass fitness, sports, marketing, publishing business that's basically completely outsourced. Let's kind of get a little bit of your story. Give us a, a 30,000-foot quick overview. Who is Ryan Lee? How'd you get here? Sure. I'll do the real, real quick version because this is a long story. Was an athlete in college. I ran track and captained my track team and loved it. Always kept in shape and worked out. When I graduated college, I went to work in a children's rehab hospital and I was a recreational therapist. I did adapted aquatics. I did sports. At night, when I was working, I, I put myself through graduate school and became a, got a master's in exercise physiology and started my own personal training business on the side. And back in 98, early 99, I started a, just a, a regular website just to promote my personal training business. And I'm not a techie. I hired my 12-year-old neighbor, Jonathan, gave him 20 bucks, and he helped build my page for me. And that was it. Started writing articles about sports training for athletes and strength and conditioning coaches. There was no video back then. There was no YouTube. There was, it was basically just text and some pictures. And it started growing and growing. A large internet company bought my site for $500. Yes, that's fi not $500,000, it's $500 with a lot of stock. And then the market crashed. I got let go of that job, got another job in the internet space, got let go after six months. It was awful. 
Then I became a gym teacher in the South Bronx, was still building my websites on the side, and then had my big breakthrough in 2001, where I took all this content I'd been writing for years and made it a paid membership site. And right out of the gate, like the first month did, it was like five or 6,000. And at that time, that was like life-changing money. That was more than I was making as a gym teacher. And it just kept growing and growing and growing till about seven months of consistent income. I said to my wife, you know, look, I think this, I think if I did this full-time effort, we could make double, you know, I could make maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year. And we did, I left the job and that was back in early 2002. And now, uh, you know, now it's when we record this 2015, my wife and I have four kids. I've built up because I started teaching fitness professionals how to grow their business because they kept asking me that now I basically teach anyone, anyone who wants to learn. I still have some health and fitness companies. We still have some supplement sites. So here I am. I, and so I have four kids. I get to work for, you know, I work from Starbucks in the morning. I have a pretty cool life and I love just helping other people build businesses. Life's really with a focus on lifestyle businesses. So you can have that freedom. For me, it was never about flashy cars. It's about the freedom and the lifestyle and enjoying it and me being able to go to every single one of my kids' uh, games and I coach baseball. I coach lacrosse with them. I go to every single tantra recital, which is good and bad. But, uh, you know, and even now I'm recording this from my, the basement home office. So, uh, yeah, the kids kid stole story. the mic. Yeah, exactly. Right before we started recording, I that's what it's all. Headset. That's what it's all about right there. You've got the flexibility. <laughs> that's what initially yeah. I heard your interview with uh, Ryan Moran. That's what initially inspired me to reach out to you. You had great systems. You had a great business. You were into standing desks, just like I am. So we're going to try <laughs> to get you a Shido stand and wanted to get you on here. But I want to go back to a little bit earlier on. You were telling the story how you got started in the internet space and you were kind of grinding away at it with nothing happening. Right. That's almost insanity at a point of you're not seeing the returns. How do you know with a channel, with something like that, with the internet, when new tech comes around, when is it? How can people take advantage of new opportunities and just kind of ride the wave? Because you got on a you got on an incredible wave. You put out incredible content, and here we are today. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's always staying true to your message and your brand. Like it, that never changes. The technology comes and goes, but I think a mistake people make, Matt, is basing their entire business on a technology. So it, you know, if they only rely on one thing. So, for example, if the only thing you do is like video on YouTube and that's your entire world and that's all, that's your only marketing channel, it's everything you do. You know, if something happens with that, if something goes wrong, if they change, if YouTube and Google change the algorithm, like you're out of luck, you're in trouble. So, for me, it was never about worrying too much about technology. It, it always came down to something I said before it's like, who is your customer, your subscriber, you know, your avatar? That the person that tribe, who is that person and what do they really want? And how do you deliver what they want? How do you communicate with them? And that's really it. So if you start with that core messaging, the pl- they'll go with you with a platform. So I've done video, I've done audio, I'm doing a new podcast now. I do emails that are text, I do live events, I do workshops, I do masterminds. So I have different ways of delivering content and adding value. And I just, I never put all my eggs in one basket. Like even with the new podcast, I'm not saying that's all I'm doing. Like that's it, podcast, I'm not doing any videos, I'm not doing any events, I'm not doing anything else. I think that's when people get into trouble. So that, I, I don't know if that really answers the question, but yeah, I, I'm not, I, I don't get crazy with all the bells and whistles. I think sometimes it's distracting. Like 
you see a lot of people like, oh, you got to do this super plugin because it does this and it makes it viral and it makes one friend refer 10 and everyone gets excited and they think that's the answer to, to, their, to all their problems. That's going to solve every problem in their life. And it's just not true because without that authentic messaging and the communication, all the other stuff falls apart. So test some things out. If you think this is a really cool technology that's going to help and you want to dip your toe into the podcasting world, then give it a shot. But, but don't ignore everything else that's been working and don't, don't ignore your customers and clients. Did that answer? I don't know. <laughs> uh, more or less, more or less. Diversity, <laughs> diversity seems to be a pretty solid solution. So one thing that I want to I get into now, inventors, crowdfunders, most of them don't have great business experience, but they mm-hmm. have a campaign, they're successful. And there's that holy shit moment of what do I do now? They're starting to grow, whether they're going retail, whether they're going e-commerce, they want to start moving more units. They want to start building a team. They want, mm-hmm. want or need to start outsourcing stuff. This is something that I've heard you're pretty good at. So let's get a, a little bit into your systems for building virtual teams, a solopreneur style product business. Okay. So let's say it's just you and you launch a product. So you have a, you have a pretty good launch. Now what? Depending on the product and obviously a few different things, in general, the first person I'd probably hire would be a... Uh, Kind of like a, like a virtual assistant, like a general virtual assistant, someone who can handle a lot of your day-to-day stuff. If you've ever seen the show, The West Wing, or even the show Suits, it's funny, they, they, all, they both had an assistant called Donna. Where if, if anyone's ever seen those shows, they understand Donna could just kind of do anything. Donna could handle billing, accounts, you know, logins, passwords, uploading some stuff, you know, handling all the customer support, all, answering emails, setting up your calendar, all that kind of stuff, which will reduce your workload by about 50 or 60%. So that's probably the first thing I would do. And they can be someone who's in person, you know, if you want to have an office. Now, I'm, I'm always the person who's going to be much more conservative. I was raised very financially conservative. My dad, you know, did well. He had a retail store in the yarn business, believe it or not. But he was always very, very conservative. And I think a mistake is trying to grow too fast and like starting to do office space. If you don't need it at first, don't do it. If at the beginning you need fulfillment, you know, do it out of your garage, do it at rent a storage garage, rent a, you know, there's, there's a hundred storage facilities you could do for a couple of hundred bucks a month. You don't need a full warehouse because it's all the other stuff that's going to kill you. So if you can go with a virtual assistant, whether you want them to work locally or virtually, that's probably the first place I would go. And then you have to think, depending where you live, you know, do you want someone that's, see, I'm in the US, do you want someone US based? Do you want someone, you know, overseas, does it matter where they are? So there's a lot of things that go into that, but that's, that's the first person. 80-20. You're mm-hmm. great about breaking down what you need to focus on, what can be avoided, and things that can be pushed off to other people. And that's something, God, I struggle with this. Everyone struggles with this. They want to do everything on their own, and they want right. to do everything. How do you start eliminating right. tasks and getting more efficient? Now, yes, you do do everything. For the first, let me see, it was about three years, I did everything. And when I say everything, Matt, I mean, I went to Staples and Costco and bought the binders and duplicated everything myself. I bought those towers of CD duplicators. And I even bought the little labels you put on the CDs. And I went to the post office with garbage bags filled with CDs to mail out. So I did everything. Would you do it again? To start. Um, would I? Absolutely. It, you will. I think maybe it's a generational thing. It's not that I'm that old. I'm only 42. But you know, I, I see some guy like I've hired people before that are in their 20s now. I think it could be a generational thing. Like, I, I think there's people are in such a rush to outsource and to have everyone else do their work for them. They don't 
really get a true sense of what the business is about. And I think if you spend some time in your business and really understanding, like answering some customer support questions, going to fulfillment, like it really gives you that feeling and that sense that you just can't get anywhere else. Even Zappos, you know, Zappos is a huge multi-billion dollar company. I've been to their headquarters a few times. I even consulted with them for their membership site. But what they do, no matter what your job is, if you're going to interview and be the CFO of the company, you still have to spend weeks in customer service answering support phones. Like you have to. That's you otherwise you won't get the job. Like you have to sit. So if you're going to be a CFO and you have your MBA from Harvard, you got to sit there and answer the phones. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I do think everyone should do that. And I don't think you should be so removed from it. But with that being said, you know, when do you start to make the flip? It really depends on where you are in your business. You know, is this something you're doing part-time or full-time? How much time do you have? Where do you see your time, most of your time being spent? Now, if, there's, if you say, look, I really want to have a lifestyle too. Money's great, but I only want to work eight hours a day. Okay. And that's it. But if you find six of them are answering support email and going to the post office and duplicating all that stuff, then there's an issue because you're not going to grow. So there's, it, it really is going to be different for everyone. But yeah, those, it's, you should learn the tasks and, and understand what it's like to do it. But pretty quickly, though, you should start to outsource at least some of those tasks that you can hire people for $5, $10, $20 an hour, even $30 or $40, depending on what your, what your value is. I wish I had a specific checklist and said, you know, hey, once you reach 30000 a year or 50000 a year or 100000 a year, then you got to hire someone. The truth is, it really just depends. Now, you can hire virtual assistants full-time from like the Philippines who's, who speak perfect English, will work the hours you want them to for you know, $400 a month. So if, you're, if your business is generating you know, $5,000 a month, you're like, hey, $400 a month to take all this work off my plate is absolutely worth it. Absolutely. Um, Pretty headspace, yeah. too. Yeah, it is. It really does free you up because as the entrepreneur... I said it before, your job is to drive the business. And everything you do, you have to ask yourself, you know, is this driving the business forward? These, these people can, can absolutely help with your task. And yes, you know what? If you spent a lot of time and played around with Photoshop, you could probably get pretty decent at it and do some decent graphics or banners. But is it really worth you know, messing around and futzing around with Photoshop for hours and hours and spending an hour or two doing an image when you can hire a graphic designer for 30 or 40 or 50 bucks, even on the high side, you know, $50 for an image and let them just knock it out quickly. And it's going to look even better than what you can do. So you can, in that hour, I mean, imagine how many emails you could send in an hour to potential people to connect with and reach out with and interview with, and how many emails you could send to customers such a check in. Oh, just want to see how you're doing. See if you have any questions, how many posts you could do in social media, how many marketing tactics you could do in that hour versus, you know, trying to save 25 bucks on creating a banner. One thing I've noticed for myself personally, I've been trying to focus on this, is that when you start to set a more regimented schedule, something mm -hmm. I know that you follow, a more regimented schedule, I will work then and not work then, kind of mm -hmm. not allowing work to inflate, you become more efficient and more creative. Can you elaborate a little yep. bit on how you block time for business, block time for life? Yeah, I... There was one book that I love that, I mean, it's something I always followed, but I, and it was hearing, hearing someone else validate it really made me feel good. It's called The One Thing. It, was out, it came out about a year ago. So everyone should read that book called the, the One Thing. And I think it was Kessler maybe who wrote it. But he talks about what's that one big thing, the most important priority, not priorities, but priority 
and you block out the day. So for me, I know the best time to work for me is in the morning. That's when I'm most productive. For some people, it's two in the morning, and that's fine. But on my schedule, if you actually looked at my Google Calendar, you would see every single morning is completely blocked off until noon. No, you can't make it more. Now, you, for some reason, I don't know how you got in because this, we're, recording yeah, no this at 11, we're recording this at 11 a.m. And it, it's really, really, really rare. I don't know why, <laughs> Dimitri, but it, because my, my calendar, and, and I have my virtual assistants who can see my calendar and it's all blocked off. You can't make an appointment up until noon. It says no appointments. So that's the morning is when I focus on the biggest drivers of my business. Nothing is going to interfere with that. You know, I, I, I guess you got in somehow 99% of the time, we don't do phone calls or interviews or anything like that at that time. I try not to, you know, I, I'm not perfect. So once in a while, like I'll check email and, and look to see if there's anything urgent I need to respond to. But most of the time, I just focus on the big thing, whether it's sending out 20 emails to potential people to, to interview or writing my email newsletter to, to my list, writing sales copy, something that's going to be a big mover of the business. So that's, that's what I block out. I also like to block out one full day a week for just me time. I'm a big proponent of that. Like everyone, the big trend seems to be online, you know, grind, 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 grind. Don't stop grinding, grind 24 hours a day. If you want it, you got to grind, you know, you can't sleep. And I never believed in that philosophy. I think, you know, you burn yourself out. You really do. So I like to set external rewards. So yes, I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday um, was a Monday and it was rainy and nasty and Weekends are busier than my weekday, believe it or not. Between birthday parties yeah, and, and all this, oh my God, all the sports events and I coach baseball and, and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's like activity 24 hours a day all weekend. Yesterday, I woke up and I was exhausted. About a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with this um, autoimmune issue. So, and when it rains, it affects my joints too. It causes like this arthritic condition. So my joints were hurting a little bit yesterday. I was just tired. I'm like, forget it. And I didn't, I just, I'm like, I know I'm not going to be, duck, be productive. So I did a session of reflexology for an hour. It was like half reflexology, half massage. Then I saw a movie, had a nice relaxing lunch. And at like three o'clock, I, I wrote an email to my list, did work for about half, half an hour, 45 minutes. And that was it. And now today I came back like raring to go. If I would have grinded through, I'd be even more tired today. It would ruin my entire week. So I think we, I think a thing is you, you, you can't feel guilty about taking some time off. And, and I fell into that trap, Matt, where I would, I would work, 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 and I'd feel a little bad. Like, you know, it's, it's eight o'clock at night. You know, I probably should be working. But now I'm like, forget it. You know, I'm, I'm playing with my kids. After five o'clock, it's very, very rare that I'm online. Like I come home or I'm home already. I shut the computer off at five. I focus on my kids, on driving them, on activities, on dinner, spending time with my wife, you know, watching a TV show. Like I don't feel guilty anymore. And nor should you. If you are super productive in the time you have, then you should enjoy some of the other things. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. Now, but what you can't do is use the excuse of, you know, if you work full time and you work nine to five and you come home at five o'clock, you know, you play with kids for, for an hour and then you watch three hours of TV and say, oh man, I don't have any time to get any work done. You know, I work all day and then, well, no, you do have some time. So, you know, it's that fine line between being productive and, and making the best of what you have. And, you know, starting to make excuses and get lazy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's something I yeah. need to hear. That's something everybody needs to hear. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, we need to. We, and you know what? Because a lot of people say, oh, life's it's 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 they're so full of crap. You know, they say, oh, life, you know, lifestyle business and blah, blah, blah. 
and you and these guys work 24 hours a day and they're miserable and they're exhausted and they you know they drink themselves to de- like it's just you know uh, and and a lot of guys and it's it's really sad you know I because I've been doing this for a long time I see a lot of other people who started off with this this thing and they just get burned out and they you know they get divorced like and they have these broken relationships and all this stuff falls apart and it's really sad to see certainly I'm not perfect certainly I've screwed up many many times but I think just trying to keep things in perspective and enjoying the ride and not getting so stressed out and not putting so much pressure on yourself is going to really alleviate that stress that you have to grind 24 hours a day. Yeah, life's a race. Let's see who gets to the end first, right? Right, right. I'm in no rush. I'm, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying to enjoy it. <laughs> so we've taken a lot of your time at this point, Ryan. I got a couple fun questions to wrap up and then maybe a business question or two and then We'll call it a day. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. So I know you're a movie guy. What's your favorite movie? Let's get into that. Ooh. Favorite movie Fa- of all time? Favorite couple. We'll, we'll give you an easy out. It's too hard to choose one. <laughs> well, I, lo- I love the Shawshank Redemption. I remember I saw that in the theaters like 20 years ago. Still one of my all-time favorites. Um, you know, Gladiator. And then, um, you know, I, I really like came of age in the 80s. So big fan of, you know, if I want to just recapture my youth, whether it's you know, Back to the Future or Goonies or one of those kind of fun movies. But I like it, I like it all just about every genre. I hear the Back to the Future date just arrived when uh, the DeLorean is supposed to show up. Something along oh. those lines a couple days ago. <laughs> so, And that's one of the things that I do want to get a DeLorean. Yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, yeah. You better get a DeLorean. You've got the time. You've got the money. Get that thing. And your kids Why will not? love that. <laughs> so you said you the one thing. Any other books that you'd recommend to people? You know, that, that's definitely a good one. Uh, God, there's, I mean, there's so many books. You know, an old school one, if, to really understand the psychology of marketing, is um, it's called Scientific Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. It's a heavy book, meaning it's, it's pretty deep, but it's very, very good. It's, you have to read it a few times. Another good one written by a very, very smart entrepreneur is called Ready, Fire, Aim by uh, Michael Masterson. That was a good one, too. So those, those are a few I'd recommend. I've been looking for a torrent of the scientific advertising. Still can't find it. Going to have to buy it, I suppose. Go, and- yeah, boardrooms. Uh, I know the guy who has all the rights to them, so I'll, I'll connect you guys. Oh, that would be nice. That would be I, nice. I had, I, at my last event, we gave away about 300 copies of them. Yeah, I've heard it's a great book. I just finished Influence. That was quite, quite a powerful oh, yeah. copy. Guys, take notes. Most crowdfunders don't have the sales experience, the experience making a product actually sexy. It's, I mean... Build it and they will come doesn't quite exist anymore. Never right. did. Okay, so what should we have covered that we didn't cover, Ryan? I think, I think you've shared quite a bit. You shared a cool story. But at the same time, you've got a ton of experience. What did you want to go over? What should we have done that we just didn't? <laughs> I mean, I could, I, I honestly, Matt, I could speak for, you know, days and days. I mean, I did a training course that was, you know, 35 hours long of, about this stuff. So we're, to say we're scratching the surface is an understatement. We're, we're not even scratching the surface. I mean, there are things, you know, just some, some big concepts to think about when, in terms of growing your business. Think of ways to create recurring revenue. Some type of, in the marketing world, we call it continuity income, something where people will pay you month after month or even yearly on auto billing for content, software, product, services. That's a big one. That's a big, big one. That, that transformed my business because knowing, you know, even if you have, uh, just a thousand people in your entire universe, just a thousand people at like, you know, 20 bucks a month paying you for some type of program. That's 20,000 a month without, you know, without even having to resell them. 
All you have to do is take care of them. So any way you could find that, do that. The second thing is don't be afraid to email your subscribers. I've, done, I've seen this so many times, Matt, like a business owner or a marketer will say, well, I have my list, but I only email them once a month. I don't want to bother them. Well, that's BS. If you have good stuff, you're not bothering them. And the people who don't want to hear from you are going to unsubscribe. And that's okay. You'll be left with the people who are you know, your true fans. And How do you use that for physical keep, products? Go a little bit deeper into that. In, in terms of what? In terms of for staying fi- in contact? For physical product entrepreneurs, getting repeat sales, upselling new products, just a, a little well, outline. Well, it, okay. Well, it, it depends on the... So, so name a type of product. Name any physical product. Okay. I'm building Shido Stand. It's the world's greatest laptop taste and stand desk in one. What do I do? Okay. So it's a, so it's a stand. So it's a one-time purchase. One-time purchase. Okay. So then we start to think of, well, who is your market? They're entrepreneurs. What else would they want? What, what else would they need that's gonna, that can help them grow their business, Matt? Name a few things. Quite a few. Advertising. Yeah. They're going to need marketing, emails. They're going to need online support for their website. They probably... Each one of those could be recurring revenue programs. You know, Just because you sell the front-end product as a physical doesn't mean you can't have recurring revenue with the digital. You know, you can mix and match different types of programs. So if it all comes down to the person, it's not about the product. It's about the person and why they bought the desk. Okay, so if they are buying a standing desk, the other thing is, why are they buying a standing desk? Well, there's a good chance, and I'm just kind of guessing here, there's a good chance they're, they're probably more concerned about their health than other people. So if it's an entrepreneur and they're working hard and they're feeling stress on their back, what are some other things we can get? Maybe there's nutritional supplements on the back end. You know, the brain functioning, health, omega threes, um, and if you don't want to get into the supplement world, maybe there are, and there are, because one of our supplement companies does this, uh, companies that you can affiliate with that'll pay you lifetime recurring commissions. Commissions. So you say, hey, try this. These this vitamins is fifty bucks a month. You get thirty percent recurring commission for life. So that's it's it's not going to make you rich. But if you had a thousand people on this and you're making fifteen bucks commission per month, you know that adds up without you having to do a thing. So there's a lot of ways to get creative. There's also you know, if you want to stay in the physical world, okay, they're entrepreneurs. Well, what are some other things you know about them, Matt? So uh, entrepreneurs who are buying the standing desk, give me a little bit more about that. Who, who, what's the type of person? What are they like? What do they do? Typical person's going to be into fitness. They're going to be lifting. They're going to be competitive a little bit more of what you'd call a West Coast hipster, very stylish. They like the minimalistic style products and probably a okay. little bit of sustainability. So one thing, maybe you could work in a higher end, they call them like a subscription box. So, if, so every month, they would get a box filled with stuff that you curate. So maybe there's a sample of a t- certain type of supplement. Maybe there's some type of information product, or maybe there's a productivity book. So they'll get a book, a different supplement. Maybe there's a workout or a fitness DVD with different types of workouts. And maybe there's a really cool technology thing of a mobile charger or something here and there. And maybe it's 49 bucks a month for the box. So, you know, you're saying just kind of quick. So the surprise, it's, and those are like a surprise box because every month the whole thing is like they're getting the surprise. Like, what am I going to get this month? And there's an excitement to that. That's becoming a really big industry, just that world. And there's a, there's a cool software called CrateJoy, uh, C-R-A-T-E-J-O-Y, that pretty much automates the entire process of billing and shipping and taking care of all that stuff, well, at, least, and, at least the functionality of it. And those are both really cool ideas. A, early adopters are Kickstarter, so they love getting new and interesting things to test out and maybe fits their lifestyle. And then the concept that 
you brought up of getting affiliates for related products. That's something that I think a lot of people never considered. I haven't even really considered that. And I'm in this world. And I think that's cool. Thanks for thanks yeah. for helping me with the business, Ryan. Yeah, no, you got it. I mean, you, you always have to, you know, it always starts with your customer and, and knowing them and get and trying to think a little bit outside the box and thinking, okay, what else are they buying? What do they want? And what are the other opportunities? Instead of always saying, well, I have to create it myself because you don't have to. I mean, I, I, I generate, a, if I stopped working today, I'd probably still generate, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars a month just on recurring commissions from software recommendations, from supplements, from all these other things that come in that I probably couldn't even shut off if I wanted to. Uh, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that it's just by looking at other things instead of saying, okay, I have to build everything myself. And again, that pressure of putting all this pressure on yourself and having to do everything, look at ways you can leverage your time and your list and your relationships. But, it, but you have to have that relationship because if they don't know, like, and trust you, they're not going to buy what you recommend. And don't box yourself into a single business type. I think that's the message right. here, guys. Yep, absolutely. Don't, that, don't box yourself in. Look at, look at the customer, look what they want, and look at all the different opportunities. And start outsourcing once you're able to. All of that good stuff. Thank you for coming on today, Ryan. You've been awesome. I want to give you a chance. Where can people connect with you, pitch yourself, your product, any kind of business that you want people to come check out? Depending when they hear this, the podcast probably won't be live yet, so I won't mention that. So the best way right now is just go to ryanlee.com and just sign up for my newsletter. I, I send a newsletter out any, anywhere from three to five times a week. It's always filled with content and meat. I think you'll get some good copy ideas and product ideas. And if you like this, there's plenty more there. So just uh, that's ryanlee.com. Guys, check it out. It's a great way to up-level your business, especially because, let's face it, most of you don't have the experience. Half of what Ryan's talked about is blowing your mind, and this can help take your business to a new level. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. It's been great and incredibly helpful for me as well. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show all about building a better business, world, and life with physical products. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and if you've enjoyed today's episode, should check out artofthekickstart.com. You can find access to all our past episodes, get our Kickstarter Crush It Guide, and if you love the episode, be sure to leave us a review, artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help you grow your business. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, have a great and productive week. Go build something incredible.